Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. If you look at the games at Murrayfield in recent times, they tend to have been pretty close affairs, uh, you know, kind of single-digit wins. I think Scotland need to start well. When they beat Ireland in 2017, they started well and then kind of withstood the storm that came in the second half. And I kind of think it will need to be something similar. If, if you allow this Ireland team to build up a lead, I don't think there'll be any way back for Scotland. We are just three days away from Ireland's Six Nations showdown with Scotland in Murrayfield and excitement is building up nicely ahead of what promises to be an absolute cracker. Today on the left wing, we are going to get the view from Scotland. Will Slattery here and I'm delighted to be joined by BBC Scotland journalist and presenter Andy Burke. Andy, how are you? Yeah, very well. Will, how are you? Doing very well. Excitement, as I said, is building up nicely and I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say like this is the biggest Ireland-Scotland game in Six Nations history, is it? Like, you know, round four... Obviously, a lot at stake for Ireland for the Grand Slam, but plenty at stake for Scotland too. Does it feel as big over there as we're kind of building it up over here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that's a fair statement. Ireland are used to coming into round four, being right there in contention for the title for Grand Slams. And and as you know, for Scotland in the Six Nations era, that is that has not been the case. Um, very rarely have Scotland made it to round four, still with a shot at the title and in the Six Nations era, never made it to round five, still in the hunt. So this is a huge game for both sides. It does feel big over here. Um, Scotland, and no doubt, uh, that they go in as, as pretty considerable underdogs. But also, in no doubt, that they do go in with a chance, given how well they've been playing in the Six Nations up to this stage. Yeah, well, like, what do you put the kind of the, the strong Six Nations showing down to? Obviously, some great rugby on show. The centre partnership is getting a lot of praise. Those two wins, the first time in the Six Nations era, you, you've opened with two victories. What, what do you kind of put that all down to? I think Scotland seem to have found a balance that they've been searching for throughout the Gregor Townsend era. Um, you'll recall when he first took over the the mantra was Scotland were going to play the fastest brand of rugby in the world. And and they were true to that, and they played some sensational rugby, pulled off some big results, but it, it was very chaotic, and with that came a, a real inconsistency, and that kind of came home to roost at the 2019 World Cup, blown off the park by Ireland in the opening game, lost the final pool game to Japan, and it was a bit of a disaster going out at the pool stage. And then the team kind of a bit of a makeover, as did Gregor Townsend's coaching staff. And the mantra was, we're going to be the the toughest team to beat. And they did. They built a really mean defence. Steve Tandy came in, took over the defence. And uh, they had the best defensive record in the Six Nations, two years running. So kind of the whole thing flipped on its head. But when you you plug one gap, there tends to be a leak somewhere else. When they plug the defence, they couldn't get the tries. And, you know... I feel like this season they've now kind of got a, a strong defence that that can that can hold its own, but they've brought back that attacking edge as we've seen. You know the uh, 
scored some fantastic tries, four tries against England, five against Wales, three against France, could have been more. I feel like now they've, they've kind of got that balance between attack and defence that, that they've been crying out for. Yeah, some interesting points you made there. The Gregor Townsend era generally, it's funny if you look at his record against certain teams, like zero from seven against Ireland, but a very good record against England, a good few scalps over France, even in this World Cup cycle alone, beating them twice. What What is it about Ireland that's kind of, that really kind of flummoxes Scotland or, or they haven't had any of those big victories that they had against some of the other teams? Yeah, it's very interesting and uh, it's something that I remember chatting with Rory Best about uh, last year ahead of the, the Ireland-Scotland game. And his take on it was that perhaps Ireland, because we play in the URC, our teams know each other, our players know each other very well, that there's no element of surprise when Ireland plays Scotland, whereas England and their media, perhaps their players can get very wrapped up in the, the premiership down there, maybe don't watch a lot of URC, France, likewise with the top 14, that there's maybe a little bit of an unknown quantity about Scotland and if you look at Gregor Townsend, as you say, record against England and France, it's exceptional for a team the, the size of Scotland. Um, so maybe that familiarity, the, the, the Ireland team never underestimate the, Scot- uh, the threat that Scotland pose. Um, and I think just the Ireland have had the physical edge on Scotland for some time now. And it's that style of play, that, that kind of relentless, powerful ball carrying, winning the collisions, the style... And listen, there's more strings to Ireland's bow than just physicality these days, but but it's built on that and and that style that Ireland have, that South Africa have. Scotland have never really got to grips with that. And while there there be any number of ways Ireland might turn over Scotland on the weekend, I'd imagine it will all be built on that physicality that that's what they'll be looking to bring. And from a Scottish perspective, you know, are there areas you think Scotland might be able to attack Ireland? Yeah, I think that if they can match that physicality and one of the encouraging signs from Paris was in the opening 10-15 minutes which was disastrous for Scotland losing Grant Gilchrist to a red card going 19-0 down um, France were dominating the game line dominating the collisions and you thought here's the same old story and Scotland managed to wrestle back the momentum in that game didn't quite do enough to win it but that was encouraging that rather than falling out the game and, and falling out those uh, that physical battle, they found a way to play the game in their terms and, and and kept the ball off France for long periods of that game. So I think if Scotland could somehow get parity up front, and it's a big if, I think their back line is full of threats now. That, and, and the variety in their game could, could open up Ireland, potentially, as good a defence as Ireland are. Um, Finn Russell's playing the, the rugby of his life at the moment, having been bombed out the squad at the start of the autumn, come back in hit the ground running, and he's playing even better in this Six Nations. Uh, Hugh Jones has rediscovered his best stuff at the very top of his game. He is a, a world-class attacking talent. Uh, but I think the guy holding it all together is, is Sione Tuipilotu at number 12. I think he's the most complete inside centre Scotland have, have had in a long, long time because he can he can do it all. He can be that physical go-forward if it's all a bit static. He's got the power to take Scotland over the gain line. He's got the skills and his handling to bring others into the game. Uh, and he's got a pretty pretty good uh, kicking game, short kicking game to stab little grubbers in behind. So you've got a kind of triple threat like that. He's the kind of guy that keeps defences guessing and they can't all rush up and Finn Russell because they know there's a guy outside him now that can offer every bit as much of a threat. So I think if they can get those backs into the game and, of course, do Anne van der Merwe, that colossal winger with the 
the world-class strike record in terms of tries per test, if they can get him on the ball, then then they can definitely hurt Ireland. But it'll all start with with that uh, that battle up front, won't it? Yeah, I do agree though on Sione Tui Pilato. He's probably been the breakout star of the championship, arguably. And as you mentioned, the array of skills on show, the kind of the no look pass at the front, the few grubber kicks that, that have really been testing various defences. So, yeah, Ireland will certainly have to be clamping down on that. You mentioned Finn Russell being bombed out of the squad in the past. You know, what, what was what did Scotland supporters think of that dynamic between himself and Gregor Townsend? Was it kind of team Gregor Townsend and team Finn Russell? Did people think he deserved to be in there? Did people think he was Townsend was right to get rid of them? What was that kind of dynamic played out? In, terms of the support base well you need to remember that this is a a multi-episode soap opera between these two guys (laughs) exactly um and i think if the netflix cameras had uh, been around for the uh, that period then it would have made for an interesting uh, documentary but um this first kind of all blew up when when scotland traveled um to Ireland in 2020, just pre-Six Nations. Things hadn't been a happy camp at that 2019 World Cup. It just didn't work out. There was a lot of unhappiness amongst the coaches, amongst the players. It, it, it just wasn't. Things weren't right at that stage. And uh, it all blew up. 2020 Six Nations, Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend, big falling out. Russell leaves the camp, absolutely destroys Gregor Townsend in a in a newspaper interview and you think these guys will never work together again and it's to their great credit that they did patch it up but again ahead of the Six Nations last year Finn was one of six Scotland players went out on the booze unauthorized gets dropped for the Ireland game and you're thinking my goodness we're back here again and then obviously all goes quiet and then ahead of the the autumn uh the shock that Finn Russell is not in the squad for the autumn series. And at that point, you, you would probably say it was a, a bit of a 50-50, as many people would be, as you termed it, Team Townsend as Team Finn. But I don't think anyone could get their head around that decision by Gregor Townsend to to suggest that Finn Russell was not in the top three Scottish fly halves was, was ridiculous. Uh, and then, of course, Adam Hastings picks up an injury, we don't, it doesn't feel like Blair Kinghorn is perhaps quite ready to to play 10 against the All Blacks. Finn comes back in, has a blinder against the All Blacks, absolutely out this world against Argentina. And of course, it just kind of brought home the folly of, of leaving him out in the first place. The big the big positive, again, and, and both guys deserve credit, is they, they seem to be back on an even keel. They seem to be back on the same page. And there's many a head coach that, that wouldn't have put up with what Finn Russell um, in terms of his public criticisms of Gregor Townsend, I can think of many head coaches that would not have stood for that. Finn Russell's Scotland career would have been over. I think it's to Gregor's great credit that he and Finn have managed to resolve things and Finn's playing the, the best rugby he's ever played for Scotland right now. Gregor Townsend's in an interesting position. His contract is up at, at the end of the World Cup. You know, he's he's obviously been there for the last World Cup and now another cycle. What what are what's people's views on him in Scotland? Obviously, the legendary playing career. He's involved in some famous moments. He's a, a Lions Test winner. He, as we mentioned earlier, he's taken some huge scabs more than any Scotland coach, Barb Telfer and McGeekin, and we know how highly regarded they are. But it doesn't seem like he's universally popular. Like, is it kind of almost a done deal that he'll be leaving the post after the World Cup, or what's the, what's happening there? Uh, not a done deal, as far as we're aware. Um, there's a little bit of a game of chess going on between Gregor and the, the Scottish Rugby Union at the moment. Uh, I think a lot might come down to how Saturday goes. Um, I think if if Scotland win on Saturday, <coughs> excuse me, 
Gregor's case to be offered a new contract is, is strengthened significantly. Gregor's kept his cards very close to his chest. My gut feeling would tell me he would like to stay on in the role, especially now that Scotland seemed to be getting a bit of traction. But if he was to get a big offer from elsewhere, then then who knows? In terms of do people want him to stay on, there has been a, a, a mix in opinion about Gregor's time in charge of Scotland. As you say, he's picked off these big results, which have not been frequent in Scotland's recent history. Uh, it was 10 years uh, bef- uh, since they'd beaten England before Gregor came along, and now they've got this incredible record where they, they can't stop beating England. Uh, as I mentioned previously, record against France is good. They've beaten Australia home and away. Uh, various other big wins. <coughs> Some people would, would believe that Scotland should have achieved more with this group of players, that this is a, the best crop they've had in a generation, and they should have done more in terms of challenging for titles and getting out of pools at World Cup. So I think things are moving towards Gregor staying in public opinion, but but who knows? Andy, in your opinion, does the World Cup match, you know, coming later this year have any bearing on Sunday? Like, we're World Cup obsessed over in Ireland. We've never really done well at one, so we kind of view everything through that prism. Like, from a Scottish perspective, like, how important is that game looming in terms of how this weekend might go? I think it's definitely in the background. Um, You know, Ireland have won the last seven against Scotland, 11 of the last 12. There's a feeling that if Scotland are to do something in that World Cup, then it would be a huge psychological boost to break that pattern before the World Cup. Um, and if you can turn Ireland over on Sunday, then it might just plant a seed of doubt in Irish minds that, well, maybe it's not a, a done deal that will be Ireland and South Africa getting out that pool that Scotland are going to make it make us work for it. So it would be a huge boost if Scotland could could win. But at the very least, I think they need to to take it to Ireland and show that they can hurt Ireland to give them to give them some hope that come that that final pool game in France that uh, you know it could be up for grabs. One thing I'd like to ask you about it's a kind of a funny rivalry almost in terms of an Irish perception that Scotland are this an arrogant team who are talking themselves up and who always believe that they're about to win the Six Nations and they come crashing down. Like your colleague Tom English was on Irish radio this week having a, an interesting discussion about the same topic. What, what, what do you think about that personally? Like, Do you think that we're completely off base as an Irish rugby public thinking that or, or is there a bit of truth to it? I wouldn't generalise the whole Irish rugby public. I think <laughs> it's maybe a few select names that, that kind of push that. <clears throat> that narrative, some of whom have got a, a bit of personal beef with Scottish rugby, shall we say. Um, I think it's a little bizarre. I've been at every press conference during the Six Nations and I've not heard anyone in the Scotland camp getting carried away. In fact, quite the opposite, going out their way to to play down expectations. When they beat England, it was immediately on to Wales. When they beat Wales, it was immediately on to France and the, the scale of that challenge. Scotland have got enormous respect for Ireland because I think there's a sense in Scotland that that Ireland have done it the right way and Scotland in terms of the professional era, it's kind of here's what you could have won had you you (laughs) done it the Irish way, you know. Uh, Scotland have had a few goals at professionalism and not got it quite right. So I don't really get the arrogance thing at all. Um, There wouldn't be much basis for that arrogance, especially the rivalry between between these two nations, as I mentioned, Ireland have won the last seven, uh, 11 of the last 12. Where would the where would the arrogance come from? I'm not too sure. What Scotland fans and, and perhaps increased, increasingly <clears throat> the Scottish media feel is that this is a good Scotland team and it's the best Scotland team that there has been in quite some considerable time. 
perhaps the best Scotland team of the Six Nations era. Um, does that mean we think that uh, that Scotland are on the cusp of, of glory? Uh, I don't quite think so. Everyone's aware that the biggest test is yet to come and that's that's when the world number one team comes to, to Murrayfield on Sunday. It is funny when you look back at the kind of records between the sides, you know, my kind of memories kind of from watching rugby kind of come from the Six Nations era, but Ireland didn't beat Scotland once in the Five Nations in the 90s. So 10 matches, I think it was nine losses and a draw from an Irish perspective, which is unfathomable to think of now. Like, so do some people in Scotland kind of like look back and think, oh God, we, we missed those days. Well, yeah, our, um, our main uh, pundit on Radio Scotland is Peter Wright, who was part of <clears throat> a number of those Scotland victories in the 90s. And I think he's convinced that a lot of those uh, Irish writers that covered those years are now taking vengeance with all this arrogance <laughs> chat nowadays because they're so scarred from Scotland uh, beating Ireland so regularly in that period. So, yeah, it's funny the way things the way things kind of come in, in swings and roundabouts. But I do think... Uh, what Ireland have done really well is um, they've kind of fixed the roof while the sun is shining. They've got their their youth development spot on now. Uh, they've been a, a top side for some years, but now you're seeing the incredible depth coming through. And when they lose some of the big players, and some of those big players will be back this weekend, Henshaw and Furlong and Sexton and Ringrose. But as much as you'll miss players of that quality, there, there is quality coming in as well. And that's something that Scotland and a lot of other nations are, are, are pretty envious of. Yeah, is there another kind of wave of Scottish players coming through that can kind of supplement who's there? Like Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg are both born in the same year. I think they're turning 30 this year, or maybe they did turn 30 last year. So like that's kind of that age cohort. Is there, I know the 20s have had some tough years. You know, Ireland's 20s have had a lot of success the last couple of years, kind of like builds, you know, a kind of a bit of momentum to bring people through the ranks. What's it like in Scotland? Is there another generation or is this kind of the generation that kind of have to get something done because there might not be the same level coming through? There is a feeling that, this generation is running out of time and there is a concern that what is coming up behind them uh, as you say the under 20s have struggled really badly uh, although it has to be said this season have looked more competitive um, and there's a feeling that perhaps there might be a few players now starting to emerge but it is a problem for Scotland it's no secret that Scotland have looked to um, the residency rule and and the grandparents rule to to supplement uh, the playing the playing group because there's just not the number of Ireland to be fair we can't we can't be too critical <laughs> <laughs> and yet some people are <laughs> it just it just depends uh, you know some people think Scotland do it to to too great an extent um, I think that's um, a bit hypocritical as you say not just Ireland but if you look at what Australia and New Zealand have done over the years you know most nations have been have been using that route. Um, Scotland more than most, it has to be said, but there is a sense of necessity around it. Um, personally, I'd like to see more homegrown players. Um, I was pleased to see the res- residency rule uh, go up to five years because I think that is a proper commitment rather than someone coming in for three, playing a year or two for the sorry Scotland to, Sorry to cut across you, but like, what, what did Scotland fans share that opinion? Was, was they kind of like pleased that the team was performing well, but at the same time, if there's like huge swathes of the team for just being kind of parachuted in to, to to play like it was that a kind of something that people were a bit unhappy about listen if the team's winning all these things get get quickly forgotten don't they um and a number of players have come in and, and been capped and as the most obvious example i can think of is john hardy uh from memory he'd a, a scottish grandparent but get parachuted in for the 2015 world cup 
Uh, John Barkley got left out of the squad, a real favourite of the fans. <clears throat> Bit of an outcry about that until John Hardy shows up and starts tearing up trees and then, you know, <laughs> it's all forgotten about, isn't it? So I think more than anything, Scotland fans want to see a, a competitive Scotland team. And if that means WP, Neil and Pierre Schoeman and Duhan van der Merwe are part of that team, then then so be it. If you could have a Scottish equivalent playing to the same level, then I think everyone would love to see that. But until such time as that avenue is is open to Gregor Townsend and his coaches, then, then Scotland are within their rights to take advantage of it. Um, this is a, an issue for all of world rugby, not just Scotland. And Scotland are just doing their level best to, to try and narrow the gap to those top nations. Just before we let you go, the verdict for Sunday then, do you think Scotland can spring an upset? Uh, I think they can. Uh, I wouldn't say they definitely will. Um, if you look at the games at Murrayfield in recent times, they tend to have been pretty close affairs, uh, you know, kind of single-digit wins. Um, certainly in the last three games at Murrayfield, the, the, the games in Dublin have been a bit of a blowout in Ireland's favour, but it, it's hard to see past Ireland. I don't recall a team... Uh, looking so dominant coming to Murrayfield in a long time. Um, I think Scotland need to start well. When they beat Ireland in 2017, they started well and then kind of withstood the storm that came in the second half. And I kind of think it will need to be something similar. If, if you allow this Ireland team to build up a lead, I don't think there'll be any way back for Scotland. So I think there'll be a big emphasis on a, a fast start. See if you can get your noses in front, get a try or two ahead and give Ireland something to, th- to think about. So... Um, Hart saying Scotland have a chance ahead is, is finding it hard to see past Ireland in this form to be honest Well it's still to be an absolute cracker for sure I'd like to thank Andy for joining me today in the left wing we'll be back tomorrow with another podcast looking at the Ireland team news in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Spotify Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie so until next time thanks for listening and goodbye The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Rate, review and follow the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast.